Speaking of shows you've probably seen before, let me tell you about the plot of this one. The premiers get together for two days of meetings and uh, they yell at Ottawa for not giving them enough money for something. This time, obviously, healthcare, this has been a constant one. Uh, so that's what happened today. The premiers, territorial, provincial, were in Victoria for two days at the Council of the Federation meetings. Healthcare, top of the agenda for obvious reasons. There is a crisis in our healthcare system. We've been talking about that on the show for ages now, certainly exacerbated by everything that we live through or have continued to live through with the pandemic. Uh, so the premiers are united. They want the federal government to boost its share of funding to 35% from what they say is 22% currently. Uh, BC Premier John Horgan, who was chairing this meeting before he steps down uh, in the fall, says federal concerns that the provinces could reduce health care spending if Ottawa tops up its payments are a cop-out. And I think it's a cop-out and it's a, a mechanism to divert attention for the federal government to say, well, we don't want to continue to fund health care because you might do something else with the money. It all goes into a pot and it all comes out for the services that Canadians need. So last year, the Prime Minister said that we would have to wait until the country was through the worst of the pandemic before any increases would come. Uh, Horgan, of course, points out the country is now eight months past the turning point of the pandemic. Uh, so... It's time to have that conversation. Quebec's Premier Francois Legault, always one uh, to yell at Ottawa, says the crumbling healthcare system is the most important problem we face. We are here 13 premiers who say the same thing. We cannot afford anymore to finance 78% of healthcare expenses. Healthcare expenses in Canada right now, it's over $200 billion a year. Of course, the federal health minister points out that Ottawa has transferred billions to shore up provincial and territorial health systems and has agreed to more, but they haven't really offered a timeline for negotiations. The federal government also disagrees with that 22% figure. They say it's more like 38% view factor and all kinds of other stuff. Anyways, while they're fighting about money, needless to say, the healthcare system needs help. Uh, joining me now is Tim Guest. He's the president of the, or the CEO rather, of the Canadian Nurses Association. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Pleasure to be here. So just your expectations going in, I know there was a press release from your association, and uh, what were you hoping to see going in, and did you see it? Well, going in, what we were really hoping was that the healthcare crisis and the issues that we're, we're facing in the healthcare systems across the country were top on the agenda for the, the premiers, and we were glad that that happened. We were glad to see that that uh, conversation happened. Um, we were glad to see that um, they came out with uh, a statement about uh, health care, but we were really hoping to see a little bit more concrete action from them. Yeah, tell me about that, because of course, the way it's framed, it always becomes about money. But I know, I mean, even John Horgan today talked a lot about hum about resourcing within the healthcare system. I know that's something that's very close uh, to your heart, something you've talked about a lot, is just the need for a better human resources plan for the entire system countrywide. Yeah, you know, what we have been recommending is that uh, all governments, federal, provincial and territorial governments need to work together to create a pan-Canadian health workforce strategy. The reality of it is um, any of the provincial and territorial, territorial governments could make decisions to increase the health systems in each of their jurisdictions. But without an adequate health workforce, 
there is no increase in capacity to the system. Um, any change in uh, capacity to improve access to care for individuals is fundamentally uh, impacted by uh, the capacity of the health workforce to deliver on it. And of course, as we know, because we've been reading about and talking about closed emergency rooms and so on, I mean, we're, in, we're suffering through, you're suffering through a tough, tough summer. Yes, you know, it, we, we, in 2009, we predicted that we were going to be significantly short of nurses by this year. And, and we're seeing ourselves to be there. Uh, in fact, we're seeing ourselves to be worse uh, than what we had predicted was going to be the case. You know, nurses are telling us across the country from province to province to province that they are working short, that there aren't enough of them working to meet the needs of the individuals in their care. And uh, that is contributing to high levels of burnout. Uh, we're, we're seeing um, burnout rates as high as like 94% of nurses reporting experiencing significant um, burnout uh, symptoms. 83% of nurses say that, uh, as I said, that the, the staffing levels are insufficient in, in some provinces. And, and what's even more concerning is the numbers of nurses that are either choosing to go part-time or choosing to, to quit their jobs uh, and leave the profession altogether. Um, any strategy that the premiers come up with to recruit uh, nurses into the health system will not work if we don't retain what we already have. How do you do that? Because I mean, we were talking to an emergency room doctor uh, with, with the Canadian Emergency, the, the Association of Emergency Room Doctors last week, and he was saying that, you know, I think they were down to three nurses in their ER. They had to close because of COVID, people going off to do other things. You know, and, and anyone, we were saying, anyone who's ever been in an emergency room or any hospital, any part of the hospital knows how dedicated nurses are. So when they're hanging up, when they're saying, that's it, I'm done, that, 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 that's an alarm bell. I mean, that's, that's, that's the red flag, is it not? It is. And to be honest, it's been an, an alarm bell that we've been raising now for a number of months. You know, as we started to see nurses um, reporting deterioration in their mental health status and increase in levels of burnout, we were starting to, to say to, to government and, and to uh, employers that we need to do something to address this, that if we don't, uh, if we don't see this um, uh, uh, turning around, uh, we're going to be in trouble. And that's exactly where we are. Are you at all concerned that, I mean, I know they talked about something other than funding. You know, the, the narrative always becomes about the money. But are you concerned that this is just another, you know, the usual Ottawa province's bun fight that we see every time this happens about who's going to pay for what? And meanwhile, you know, it's not helping nurses. You know, it, it certainly looks that way. You know, you know, there are some things that I have to say that, you know, we're, we're encouraged that it was a top agenda item for them, for the premiers. We're pleased that the premiers all agree on the need for a pan-Canadian health human resources plan that they spoke about. Uh, you know, we were really glad that there was recognition that the nurses and healthcare workers are the bedrock of the system and the impact that the pandemics had on them. Um, and, and we certainly agree that there is an urgent need for all uh, levels of government to sit down and, and discuss the sustainability of our system 
and and collectively uh, uh, work together. We agree that there's more investments needed. Um, we agree with the premiers on that. Uh, we don't necessarily agree with them that it shouldn't be uh, targeted. Uh, but we believe Canadians have an expectation that outcomes will come from increased funding, that um, they want to see that areas of need are the areas that receive proper funding and that care is there when they need it and for what they need it for. Yeah, no, that that was certainly a topic of debate today. Was Ottawa wanting some accountability as to exactly where this money is going? And the province is, of course, bristling at that idea. Tim Guest is our guest this half hour. He's the CEO of the Canadian Nurses Association. We're talking about uh, the Premier's meeting in Victoria wrapping up today. Of course, healthcare at the top of the agenda for them. Their demands that they receive more funding from Ottawa to help what they say is a healthcare system in crisis. Uh, we know that that is the case in provinces right across the country. When we come back, a bit more of uh, what the Canadian Nurses Association have been proposing about some solutions because clearly what's needed here is not just money, uh, but money well spent on things that make sense. And we'll get to that after this. Well, the Premier has wrapped up two days of meetings in Victoria today, where I am. Uh, Healthcare at the top of the agenda for them. They're asking the federal government for more funding, for an increase in funding, nearly $30 billion in increased funding uh, from 22 to 35%. That's what they want to see. 22% is what they say they're getting now. Uh, They want 35. And they say the system is in crisis and the money is needed to help that out. I'm speaking with Tim Guest, who's the CEO of the Canadian Nurses Association, about some of what they hope to see. They did... We're pleased that the healthcare was indeed at the top of the agenda, and that there were some. Uh, there was a united front from premiers about uh, what the problems are and perhaps how to fix them, including with a pan-Canadian uh, strategy for uh, workforce strategy, really, which is really part of the problem here. What are some of the other things, Tim, that you'd like to see that could be done in the short term that would would make a difference for you and, and your membership? Well, we, um, you know. There were a number of strategies that we have uh, spoken to to government about. You talked uh, about one of them that was uh, creating the pan-Canadian health workforce strategy. We've also suggested that there's a need to implement evidence-based, sustainable, and innovative retention strategies for nurses and other healthcare workers immediately to keep them into the workforce. Uh, federal government started with uh, um, with that in the last federal budget. An example. They did provide some tax incentives for uh, uh, nurses that are working in rural remote areas for um, uh, loan forgiveness, as an example. We've suggested that that should be widespread. Um, you know, we, we've recommended that there's a need to look at um, optimizing workloads and the working conditions that nurses are currently working under, um, looking at strategies to decrease excessive overtime, uh, looking at strategies to to eliminate unreasonable shift lengths that we're seeing uh, we're seeing and hearing about nurses that are are being asked to work twenty four hour shifts. Yet we would never get on an airplane with a pilot that is working beyond uh, uh, an acceptable uh, uh, length of time, and and yet we will we will allow a nurse to work uh, an ex- excessive number of hours like that. We've also talked about um, needing to optimize scopes of practice to maximize the, the full capacity of all workers in the healthcare system to, to increase capacity. And then we've also talked about the need to um, have a pan-Canadian mental health strategy specifically for, for nurses and other health workers 
Um, they've identified de- deteriorating mental health status as a significant issue uh, associated with the, the demands of the pandemic. Um, we've, we've talked about the need for an increased capacity in the educational system for nurses and other health workers. We did hear today uh, there was an announcement in Nova Scotia where they've increased 200 nursing seats, uh, which, you know, that uh, were nice. We were glad to, to hear there's been some movement uh, in, in, on that front. Um, and then uh, we've also talked about the need to fast track the licensing and employment of internationally educated nurses and other health workers to pr- and provide them with um, appropriate mentoring programs so that they can transition into the Canadian health system in a successful way. Because I imagine that one is still, that last one is still not working, or at least not as well as it could. No, you know, we hear from internationally educated nurses, specifically for us, that um, there's significant costs that they incur when they try to get a license in Canada, significant lengths of time. Uh, the process can be um, cumbersome. Uh, and we believe that there's, uh, there's certainly movement happening to improve, and I think it's better than it was in the past. Uh, but there is still room to to make the process uh, easier. Um, you know, some examples, uh, you know, the, the nursing education across the world is not always uh, the same. And in Canada, we have multiple um, uh, regulated groups of nurses, licensed and registered practical nurses, depending whether you're in Ontario or the rest of the country, registered psychiatric nurses, registered nurses and nurse practitioners. And um, uh, an individual that's maybe educated in, a, in another country may not meet the minimum requirements to become a registered nurse in Canada, but they may meet the requirements to be a licensed practical nurse. But the process to determine that is not always seamless. And some nurses, uh, internationally educated nurses find themselves applying to be licensed as a registered nurse, finding out they can't, paying all of the, the fees, and then having to start the process over um, with a, a different regulator on the licensed practical nursing stream. We also so. hear a lot of these individuals are uh, they're um, underemployed, um, and and the costs of of this process are are a huge barrier for them. I have about thirty seconds left, Tim. Uh, are you? Would you like to see the prime minister sit down with the premier sooner than later? It sounds like they're still not really talking. Definitely. Uh, we believe these issues need to be resolved quickly. Uh, we, we believe that this can't wait until the end of the pandemic. Uh, we need to really see them uh, sitting down and collectively talking about uh, actionable items that can, can be moved forward collectively to resolve this issue. Um, it is just going to get worse if we continue to just uh, bat the ball back and forth across the net. Tim Guest, thank you so much for your time tonight. My pleasure. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.